Hey everybody, this is Matt and welcome to another Overflow Pod. We have been going through the book of Philippians, which is my favorite book in the Bible. And we've been diving into this book of joy and happiness. And today we're looking at chapter 3. And in chapter 3, Paul gives us more habits of happiness. Another five of these habits that we can do each and every day. That if we do them, our happiness will exponentially grow. So let's look at these five habits that Paul models for us that if we copy, our happiness is going to go through the roof. So the first habit is to relax in God's grace every day. This is the first thing you need to do to, if you want to be happier, every day relax in God's grace. Don't try to earn God's approval. Don't try to earn his love. Don't try to earn his recognition. And let me explain the difference between religion and a relationship. See, because people believe Christianity is a religion, and it's really not. It's about a relationship. It's not what you do for God, but rather it's about what God has done for you. Jesus did not come to give you religion. God isn't interested in religion. God is interested in you having a relationship with him. And that's what the Bible is all about, what God has done for you, and what Jesus did for you on the cross, not about what you can do for God is what makes Christianity different than everything else out there. Because Christianity is about what Jesus did for us, the unconditional love he has shown us, his grace and mercy that he gives us every day. So if once a day you remember that because Jesus' death on a cross, all your sins are forgiven, that means everything in the past, as well as the wrongs you're doing right now, and everything in the future is all forgiven. So that means we can live guilt-free because everything has been paid for by Jesus. If we receive him as our savior and trust in him, knowing his grace and going over it each day will give us the encouragement, the love, which will cause happiness in our lives. So Jesus said, I don't want your religion. I want a relationship with you. You will lose your happiness every time you forget this. Every time you think, I've got to earn that. I got to earn God's smile. I got to earn God's love. But you don't. You need to relax in his grace. Philippians chapter three, verse one to three says this. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Now, Paul is here contrasting a group of people who try to do things to appease and please God who practice certain acts trying to earn their way to heaven. But he says, look, we don't put confidence in what we've done in the flesh, what we do. We're not trying to work our way to heaven. We're not trying to prove we're good enough to get into heaven because none of us are. It's only by God's grace we trust in what Jesus did on the cross and he died and paid the penalty for our sins and we believe in his promise of eternal life. You need to relax in that grace. So one of the things that will rob you of your happiness is is what I call the first trap. And there's a trap for each of these habits. It's almost like to get out of these traps, you do these habits. So the first trap here is legalism. Legalism is the attitude, I have to prove my love to God. Legalism is trusting in what I do for God instead of what Jesus did for me. Trusting that I have to do rules and regulations and rituals and restrictions. 
on all these things in order to prove myself worthy. In other words, I I have to legally follow these things, and if I mess up the law, if you will, I mess up. And so legalism says that I have to follow these standards. And that's what you see in religions that you have out there to do. You have to do stuff on certain days, right? You have to do stuff to be a good follower of a certain religion. But for Christianity, that's the trap of legalism. Um, And Christianity's trap of legalism goes something like this. If I just keep the Ten Commandments, then God will let me into heaven. Well, there's really no problem with that statement. The problem is, is that you can't keep them. You've already broken them. All of them, yes. Even adultery. You're saying, well, I've never done that. Well, the New Testament says if you've ever lusted in your heart, well, it's like adultery. Well, I've never killed somebody. Well, the Bible says if you hate somebody in your heart, it's like murder. So we are guilty of that. And that's why we need God's grace. And that's why we need to relax in him because we're not good enough. And there's no way we can legally meet those qualifications. And so God knew that. So that's why he sent Jesus. And so we relax in his grace. Verse 4 to 6 says, Though my I myself have reasons for such confidence, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Paul is saying, look, if you want to go by legalisms, I'm the best of the best. I'm better than you. And these are my qualifications. And I can't measure up to God's standard. So by the way, how do you know you're a legalist? Well, here's a telltale sign. You ready? If you're judgmental of other people, you are harsh on other people. Anytime you see somebody who's judgmental of others, critical of others, there you go. I still remember pivotal event in my life. Back in, way back in 2005, there was a church picnic. It was a, my first one as a as the new senior pastor of the church. And on Sundays, I would wear a suit every day. But on this particular Sunday, I told people, hey, wear t-shirt and shorts. It's very hot out there. We're going to go right from church, right into the picnic. And in fact, people were already set up cooking before, like during the message, so that when people got out there, we were already set to prepare. And so they did. And so I showed up to that service wearing t-shirt and shorts, just like everybody else. I got so many dirty looks. In fact, preaching the the talk, I was like, what is wrong with these people? Why are they so upset today? What did I do? What did I say wrong? And I got through the whole thing. And afterwards, I realized that when people complained to me about what I was wearing and how it was inappropriate for church, I was like, wow, judgmental, are we? You can wear them, but I can't. Well, yeah, because the pastor is, you know, different than the rest of them. I was like thinking, man, I I need to nip that in the bud. I'm just a sinner saved by grace the same as them. I've just been given the calling to to teach God's word. That's it. I'm not that I'm not better than them. And I realized at that point that I had that in my church we had this huge judgmental problem. And it was just about wearing shorts and I was like, man, what if it was a major issue? We don't even realize it, but we can be extremely judgmental. So how do you know you're living by grace and not by legalism? You're gracious to other people. 
when someone is living by grace, they go, well, God's forgiven me, so I'm going to forgive you. God's cut me some slack, so I'm going to cut you some slack, even though you definitely don't deserve it because I know I don't deserve it. This has a profound impact on the families. What if you cut your wife or husband some slack? What if you didn't judge them or demand more than they can give, but are patient and kind and give off some of the same grace that God has given you? Well, two things are going to happen. Number one, the divorce rate in, in Christian marriage would go way down. And second, people would become a lot happier. Now, I've been sick lately, and the house has been a mess. But my wife has been so patient. She has cleaned and done my job many days without complaint. Do I deserve the treatment she's given me? Absolutely not. But she's treating me with the same grace that God has given her. That You know what that does? It makes me desire to do everything I can to show her my appreciation. It makes our home happy. It takes stress off of me. And it creates a cycle of grace and mercy in our home. Because I'm much more patient with the kids because of her patience with me. The more legalistic you are, the more critical you are, and the more judgmental you are, the more impatient you're going to be, the less happy you're going to be. The more you live by God's grace, the more gracious you are to other people. And you know what? The more happy you will be. You wonder why you're not happy. Maybe look at how judgmental you are. Maybe look at how you're judging people. Legalism will suck your life dry of happiness. It sucks churches dry. You ever go to a legalistic church? You just walk, you know, how you know? If everybody's wearing shoes, just walk in with their t-shirt and shirts and you'll find out real quick. Maybe color your hair pink <laughs> or dye it, you know, bright red or wear it as a mohawk <laughs> just for fun, you know, and walk in and see what people do. If they judge you or not, I'll tell you, then you'll know if it's a legalistic church. Everybody's just, there's no joy in a legalistic church. Everybody's there out of duty out of guilt, out of shame. I remember when I would preach and when people would come in out of guilt or out of shame or out of duty, I hated preaching to them because they wouldn't listen. They didn't care. They just wanted it to be over as soon as possible. And I was like, why come? Why come to church if that's your mindset? How enjoyable is that? You're just wasting your time. One of the biggest things that we can do if you wanted to be happy and you're struggling with churches, don't go to church upset. If you're going to church, you think, oh, I can't wait till it gets over. You know what? Maybe just stay home and work on your attitude because, man, it'll just rob you of happiness if you come in with that legalistic attitude. When you finally realize that there's nothing that you can do to make God love you, then, then he already does. And he loves you so much. That's liberating. In fact, it's a key to happiness. So you wake up this morning and you go, Lord, I just want to remind myself that I'm completely forgiven. Is that a way to start the day? Oh, yeah. You think you'll be happier if you're starting to think, you know, there's nothing, you know, I, I may be messed up and I may do a lot of things wrong, but you know what? God loves me. That's a habit of happiness. Relaxing in God's grace when, when you do that, life seems lighter, easier, and you're ready to take on whatever life is going to throw at you that day because life will throw a lot at you. Second habit. Remember what matters most every day. When you get up in the morning, I need to remind myself what counts and what doesn't. You can't be distracted by what's inconsequential in life. And that's pretty, what's trivial, what really doesn't matter. And trivial matters can make us unhappy. You know, every morning, it drives me nuts. My kids leave the lights on and then they go to school. 
Not my son. My son is just amazing. He always turns us out. But I go by my daughter's rooms and the lights are on every single morning. And man, that, that can set me back. And it's such a trivial thing. And what's hard about it is I would just go in and shut the light off, but my kids' rooms aren't that clean. And so it's dangerous walking into their rooms. I, I'm afraid, you know, as I get older, I'm going to fall over and die, like break my hip or something. But something as trivial as turning off the lights before they leave for school can really just make me upset. And it's ridiculous because it's trivial. Philippians 3, 7 says, Whatever gain were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. All those things I thought were so important to me, I now consider worth nothing now that I know Christ. What was the most important thing you thought of before you met Jesus? Was it work, career, making money? Maybe getting a date. Maybe it was being popular, having security, being famous, or whatever. How do you know if you really have that relationship with God? Well, with Jesus Christ. Things change. Your values change. If your values haven't changed, you have to check whether or not you have that relationship. Because you can't have somebody as big as God come into your life and it not change you. It changes your values. All the things that you used to think were cool... You don't think about them anymore. I remember when I started getting serious about God in, in college, my values changed. It used to be that I couldn't miss Sports Center on ESPN. I couldn't miss basketball games that Jordan was playing in or Charles Barkley was playing in. I couldn't miss a party. I couldn't miss hanging out and talking to girls or dancing on Thursday nights at the Down Under <laughs> or whatever it was. Now I cared about other things like Showing up and going to church. When you first become a Christian, you realize that all this stuff doesn't matter. That you used to think it was important. But as time goes by, the world around you tries to brainwash you back into thinking the stuff that's not important is important. Like having the newest pair of shoes. Having the newest clothes. Having the fun that your friends have. And it's the second trap. Pop culture. Every day, there are thousands of advertising messages say you aren't worth anything until you have our product. This should matter to you. Even news on TV makes it sound like, or on the internet, that it's the most important thing of the day. No, it's not. This news is so important. No, it isn't. Remember newspapers? <laughs> Do they still even exist? Nothing is worthless as yesterday's newspaper. I think everything is digital now, but I still see my 80-year-old neighbor pick up the paper at the end of their driveway in the morning. I think it's still being delivered. I'm not sure. We used to line kitty boxes with <laughs> newspapers. When the news is over, it's not worth anything. The world tells you because it's immediate and it's current, it's important. No, it's not true. The urgent and the immediate and the relevant are not necessarily important. That's one of the things that kills people in their jobs when they're trying to be successful in their careers is that the tyranny of the urgent. They think, oh, it's due today, so I have to get it done, and you know, but it's inconsequential. We're living for things that, that aren't gonna matter. So to be counterculture, which means we're gonna be a whole lot happier than everybody else, you gotta focus not on what's current, not on the urgent, but on the eternal. So you have to ask yourself this question. How much is this going to matter in 100 years? Maybe that's even too far out. How much is it going to matter in five years? Or maybe in one year? 
or maybe even tomorrow, <laughs> much less for eternity, you need to live in the light of eternity. Everybody around you constantly telling you that the petty and the trivial is important. That's why when my, when my dad passed away, I hear all these advertisements that no one ever, no one ever, you know, put that they didn't work enough on a tombstone. And I walked, I walked around where my dad is, is entombed. And all it says is loving father, loving husband, in memory of someone who loves. And it's all about the care and the love that they gave their family. And I thought about that. I was like, you know what's important is raising kids, spending time with our wives and our husbands. And you know what we focus on? Careers. It's so important for a woman to have a career than to, than to stay home with the kids or the husband for that matter. I look at myself, you know, by me switching careers, I and my wife have had more time to spend with our kids than any family I know out there. Have we sacrificed monetarily? Sure. I could easily have earned over a million dollars. Easily. Probably closer to $2 million if I stayed working instead of staying home. Would that have made our financial situation different? Oh, yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Will we have a lot more stuff? Yup. But guess what? There's times and memories that you can't get back. You know, how much is this stuff going to matter for you? What's going to be on your tombstone when you, when you pass away? Everybody and everybody is telling you what is petty and trivial is important. And we are living in trivial pursuit. We're living for things that aren't going to matter. So be counterculture. Is it going to matter in five years? Then spend time on it. You're going to be a lot happier than everybody else because they're just focusing on that. Why are you worrying about it? Why are you stressed out? Why are you anxious? Why are you fearful? Fearful? Why are you so upset about this? It's not even going to matter next week, much less for eternity. So the second habit is remember what matters most. And all the things I used to think are important, they're worth nothing compared to Christ. Philippians verse 3, verse 8 says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Garbage. That's the politically correct word. That's the polite word. The proper word of the Greek that's translated garbage here, how shall I say it? Manure? No, that's not good enough. Poo? No. Dung? No. It's basically a load of crap. It's excrement. <laughs> what Paul is saying here is that after I became a Christian, after I became in a relationship with Jesus, I stopped the religion thing and I started the relationship thing. All the other stuff you get worried about, you get tight about, you get stressed about, it isn't worth a pile of crap. So flush it down the toilet. Focus on what is eternal. What can make a difference? Focus on his love so that you can give that to your family. So you treat your wife like a queen or your husband like a king. Focus on Jesus' mercy so you can raise your kids with love. Focus on Jesus' grace so that no matter what happens in the home, you will always be a loving family. Treat your coworkers, neighbors with that same grace and you'll be amazed at how it changes those relationships. And you will be amazed at how much happier you are, even if you don't have a lot of material things because you're focusing on what's important. 
20 years from now, it's not going to matter whether or not you got promoted at your job. Shoot, I'm going to be retired in 20 years. My wife will be retired. It's, not, it's going to matter is the relationships that we have. So stop following what's trivial and follow stuff for eternity. Well, let's stop at these first two habits of happiness. And we're going to cover the three daily habits in our next pod. Because And I hope this encouraged you today. Don't forget to exercise these first two daily habits this week. To relax in God's grace every day, number one. And number two, remember, remember what matters most. And I can tell you, if, if you do that, it will truly add to your happiness if you practice these daily habits. Your life will change. You'll be a lot happier. You won't be so miserable. And you know what? Isn't that what life we want life to be? We want it to be better. And it all starts with that. So I hope that encouraged you today. God bless, and I'll see you in the next pod.